Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you guys about Delamar Vera's story. So pour yourselves a strong cup of fire department coffee and let's dive in. On December 15, 1997, a fire broke out in Luzida Cuevas' home in North Philadelphia. Once the fire started, she ran upstairs to try to find her daughter. She was sleeping in her crib in a room. Her daughter was Delamar Vera, and she was only 10 days old at this time. As she's searching through the room, she notices that Delamar is not in her crib and she can't find her anywhere. At this point, she's inhaling a ton of smoke and actually suffering burns on her face and makes a decision to leave the room because she still had two other children in the house and she wanted to get them and herself out safely. They run outside the house and firefighters arrive at the scene and they work on putting the fire out, which they eventually are able to do. And they notice that the fire was primarily... Um, contained to Delamar's room and after they put out the fire they come outside and Luzeda is yelling at them asking where's my daughter did you find her you know as any mother would be reacting in this situation. I'm assuming that there's probably not good news since there's a story out of it now. Well it also I'm sure you're going to get into it but I'm curious to see what the cause of the fire was. Well firefighters don't find any sign of Delamar and they determine that the fire started from an overheated extension cord that was on a space heater. They, like I said, didn't find any sign of Delamar and just assumed that any remains that would have been there had been incinerated by the fire. This is a very sad story already. However, with this, Luzeda is just not buying it. She's really not understanding how there would just be no remains and no sign of Delamar at all. I kind of agree with Luzeda because you didn't you say that when the when she noticed the fire, she went in there and Delamar wasn't in her crib? Correct. So I'm assuming at that point, the crib hadn't been taken over by flames. Yes, absolutely. Um, she And this is what she's trying to communicate with the firefighters, um, also she did notice that there was a window open in the in Delamar's room, and it was cold out that night, so she didn't open it. However, Luzeda spoke mostly Spanish, and they did have some Spanish-speaking firefighters speak with her, but somehow the communication wasn't flowing well, and firefighters are just like, no. Um, Delamar died in the fire. Like, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's what happened. I'm confused because there's no way this 10-year-old baby got up and walked out of her crib and went somewhere else. But my point is she checked the crib and she wasn't in there. So she would have not died in the crib because she wasn't seen in the crib is my point. And I'm, I, I'm curious to see where it goes. But at this point, I have some assumptions. Yeah, at this point, Luzeda is... She's not able to get them to do any more investigating. The firefighters write up the report and it just kind of ends at this. They do not issue a death certificate because there wasn't a body found. Police aren't investigating it because they just 
assume it was an accidental fire and that Delamar had passed away in this fire. And Luzeda is just convinced that they're wrong and something else is happening. And she's trying to um, get a hold of lawyers and trying to find people to investigate it. But because of how much it costs, she wasn't able to afford it. They do find some type of, well, they had taken a lot of the debris from the bedroom and they kind of dumped it in a pile in the backyard and they did sift through it and they found some type of remains that they tested, but those later ended up being non-human. So definitely didn't belong to Delamar. And they had found some ashes that they said were resembling human ashes, but they actually were just dry wool particles that had burned. And even for the fire, so it was kind of, like I said, confined to Delamar's bedroom. It really only lasted about 15 minutes and likely didn't get hot enough that it would have completely just gotten rid of any remains left. The extension cord that they found that they thought laid on the heater and got hot, was that something that Luzeda had recognized as something that was already in the bedroom? Yeah, it was a, actually, I saw a couple times that it was a homemade extension cord or homemade space heater or something. I'm not really sure the details of that, but it wasn't like an abnormal thing. It was something they did have in the house. So Luzeda continues to believe that Delamar's still alive, but at this point, she there's nothing she can do about it. And so we flash forward to six years later. On January 24th, 2004, she had been invited to um, someone she knew's house for a birthday party that they were throwing for their kid. And while she was there, she saw this six-year-old little girl and she had these dimples on her cheeks and Luzeda's looking at her going, she looks a lot like me and a lot like my kids. And so her mind is instantly thinking that this is Delamar. She was introduced as Alaya Hernandez and her mom was Carolyn Correa, who was 42 years old. But at this point, Luzeda's convinced. And so she's talking to Alaya and she says, oh, hey, you have some gum in your hair. Let me get it out. And when she does that, she actually like takes some of the strands of hairs so that she can do a DNA test later. I'll be honest, when you said that she went to grab her hair, my first thought was that she was going to look for like a birthmark or something underneath her hair. Yeah. Yeah. So now she has she has these hair strands and she actually reaches out to state representative Angel Cruz and tells him this story. And he is kind of taken by it and he wants to investigate it a little bit further. And so he brings it to law enforcement in Philadelphia And then um, they contact the authorities that would be investigating it. So what they do is they start looking into this and they send in the hair for DNA. And at this point, Alaya is living with her mom, Carolyn, in New Jersey. So New Jersey police are kind of investigating this as well. And they're actually, I guess, convinced enough by this that they take Alaya and put her in um, state custody before they even have the DNA back. So I'm assuming at this point, then they've approached Carolyn. What does she have to say about this? Well, basically what happens when they approach her and they take Alaya, she's kind of, she's denying it first off. And she's basically playing it off like you're taking my kid from me. And she's saying as such in front of Alaya as well. But DNA comes back. Um, it's not her is what I'm assuming. It is a match. It is a match? Yeah. I was expecting it to not be her. 
Yeah, it's a match, and it it's proof that Alaya is actually Delamar. And police are like, holy crap, this woman stole this kid, this baby, and she's just been living with her for six years. I, okay, I'm curious to know what else we find out, because I don't know Carolyn, obviously, but something tells me she didn't just break into this woman's house and take the child. I'm wondering if there was somebody else that did. There's definitely more to the story. So... First, I want to say, please do go back to Carolyn's home to bring her in. And she has fled. Um, She actually had three other kids there that she dipped out on and just took off. They charge her with arson, kidnapping, and concealing the whereabouts of a child. I'm assuming the three other children probably aren't hers either? Um, I think they are. I didn't see anything else about that. But I, my understanding is that they were her actual children. I didn't. I think that would have probably come up at some point in my research if they weren't. Probably. It just it seems odd to only... I don't know. Yeah. It just seems odd. She does eventually turn herself into police. And what they find out is that Carolyn actually was kind of like... Well, they call her a distant friend of Pedro Vera, which was Delamar's father. But she actually was related to him by marriage. And so she actually had been to the home multiple times and had actually even been there the night of the fire and had left shortly before it broke out. So what she did was she started the fire, took Delamar and fled, basically. Like I said, they were living in New Jersey and the house fire happened in Philadelphia. And so she had kind of... She actually had a boyfriend at the time that this happened, and she kind of claimed to him that she was pregnant. Um, This comes up later, too, on whether or not she was actually pregnant, but she convinced him and other people in her life, family, friends, that she had been pregnant and actually gave birth to Delamar at her home, um, and that I guess no one was around for it, and that she was her daughter and she gave birth to her. Well, I mean, you'd have to come up with a story if you're just randomly going to have a child all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, and what's interesting, Andre Moore, who was Carolyn's boyfriend at the time, said that she did appear to be pregnant. Um, I don't know if, if she actually was or not, but he had learned, I guess, that Delamar wasn't his kid after a paternity test he had taken in 1999. So his assumption was that it was her kid, Carolyn's kid, but he just wasn't the father. So what had happened when Carolyn went to court for this, they try to claim that um, she's not, well, they enter an insanity defense, basically. And they say that she, in her head, truly believed she was pregnant, even if she wasn't. And then that she truly thought the baby was hers. And at one point, they even claimed that Andre was involved and he actually brought home the baby to Carolyn and convinced her that it was her baby. And because of where her her mental state was at, she believed it. Then I think the insanity plea is applicable at that point if you can convince somebody that this child is theirs. It does make me like I know you said that it didn't really come up with the other kids. It does make me wonder where they came from and how she was with them like did she seem was she like a good mom or what did she have some underlying psychological issues other than i don't know somehow being convinced that this other baby's her child i mean honestly i'm not sure i'm guessing 
she was a good mom to these kids. She had, I mean, Elia didn't have any issues. She had sent her to private school. She had her involved in extracurriculars. Um, I think she was, well, I don't know. It's kind of weird. because It depends how you feel about these things, I guess. Um, there's some comments about her being um, in beauty pageants and her that Carolyn wanted her to get into acting when she was six years old. So I guess take that as you will. But I'm by all accounts, she wasn't abused that I know of. Um, there is a lot of there's a, actually Lifetime made a movie about this story. So I'm sure that has some more information in it. But um, either way, in court, the insanity plea is not bought. Basically, I think she's described they describe her the judge who was Pamela Pamela Demby had said that Carolyn maybe suffered from depression, but that she was quote more manipulative than delusional end quote. And Carolyn had actually been in trouble prior for arson. And this was in 1998. She actually pled guilty to starting a fire at a medical office in 1996 where she had worked. So she had a history of, setting fires which did not help her case either no that that won't (laughs) yeah she was um she had been mad because they fired her basically or let her go so she set the office on fire it does show some instability in her emotions for sure the mystery has been solved here at crime over coffee our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is fire department coffee and you can get some as well and save 15 percent with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I mean, we've talked about it before arsonists typically repeat that pattern and so it it just it made it a little bit fishy but it did raise some questions about how firefighters identified it as an accidental fire when it clearly was an arson i i I guess i don't know i personally always question and i know we kind of talked about it in one of our episodes that we did but i personally always question how you can for sure determine that something was an arson or was not an arson because if a cord just accidentally ends up on a heater, that's definitely something that could accidentally happen and that would eventually catch fire if it wasn't caught. So yeah, whether or not somebody laid it on there or just got knocked onto there, that's hard to tell. Well, um, my understanding was that it was a cord that was attached to the space heater and it was homemade and that caught fire is what they claimed. Okay, okay. Uh, you were you were explaining it earlier. You said it was kind of all homemade and mm-hmm. like an odd. So it was, but I mean, still that something that could have accidentally happened or, I mean, there's many times where I've noticed, I'm like, oh crap, that's on the heater and it shouldn't be. And so I pull it off. Yeah, space heaters make me very nervous. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately it happened long enough ago and because they just ruled it accidental, there wasn't a real investigation that happened. And so... Luzade is just left with these questions that are unanswered because they didn't investigate it. And I also want to mention how insanely like lucky it is that she just ended up at that birthday party. That I don't understand how awesome that was. And the fact that she just immediately knew like, 
that's my child. It was definitely luck on her part. Fate. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Well, basically, when they like go back and talk to um, the firefighters and people who were involved with the situation when it happened, they they do kind of blame it a little bit on Luzeda, I think, in the fact that there was a language barrier. It was said that she didn't directly say that Delamar had been stolen, just that her baby was not in the room or something. There was some type of weird miscommunication, according to them. And I think, let me let me leave, let me just say this. Both Pedro and Luzeda, the parents of Delamar, sued the city for this and won. So there was some misdoing there. And Carolyn ended up being um, sentenced nine to 30 years in prison in um, 2005. So with Luzeda talking to the fire department, you said that she talked to some bilingual or Spanish speaking firefighters at one point. So at that point, the language barrier excuse doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, I'm not really, you know, they claim that and it's like, I, I agree with you. I thought that was really weird and fishy. Yeah, it's almost like, oh, we just didn't feel like necessarily doing our job. So let's blame it on this. I don't know. I, I think that's frustrating. Um, I do think that it's amazing that Luzeda got her daughter back, though, because I can't imagine losing a child at 10 days old and just never knowing if you're going to see them again. It breaks my heart for her. So Delamar was eventually reunited with Luzeda and with Pedro. Um, Pedro and Luzeda had split up since and there was some custody issues. I think they're all good now, but... There was still that language barrier because Alaya had been raised speaking English. And at this point, Luzeda still spoke little, very little English, mostly Spanish. Um, but when she ended up getting custody of Delamar, she was, you know, speaking to the fact that she's working on her English and they're going to teach Delamar Spanish. And I guess the transition was relatively smooth. Um, as I mentioned, Lifetime did make a movie about this story, which came out sometime in the early 2000s I think I'm trying to think of the age so Luzeda and Delamar were both at the premiere of that and I saw a video of her at the premiere and Delamar probably looked about 10 to 12 years old Delamar does well I'll say Delamar is doing fine she's living a normal life um she's I was looking on her Instagram looks like she's engaged or maybe married um so she's She's doing great. And she even on her Instagram has like a little um, blurb about her story. So to me, it seems like despite all the like craziness and insaneness that happened, it turned out okay, which is more than we can say for a lot of the stories we cover. I'm glad that despite everything, it like you said, it's turning out okay. Because that's a that's a really rough start to life. So for her to be able to turn it around and live a semi normal or normal life is is fantastic right and i'm you know i'm sure there were a lot of transitional issues as well but i think a big help was that they still found her when she was only six years old so she was young enough to readapt to the situation i have thought about it before and this is just because my mind wanders but what would your reaction be if somebody came up to you and said hey your mom isn't your mom i'm actually your mom yeah i cannot imagine i I don't know that I would, I don't know. I always struggle with that because I'm like, how would I, I, the people that claim to be my parents, also I think they really are because I look a lot like my mom, but um, 
like they've raised me since I was a child. So I think that would be a very hard transition more so for the, the child coming back to the family and learning something completely new about themselves. I don't know. I've just always wondered how, like what that feeling would be. I obviously never want to experience it. I just want to say that now, but, um, I think it's fantastic for Delamar to have been able to get over some of those nerves or worries or concerns that she probably would have had right at the beginning of meeting her birth mom and dad. I agree. I think at the core of it, you know, Luzeda and Pedro both love their daughter very much and they were willing to put in that extra work to reunite her into the family and clearly it worked out. I'm glad that she's doing well and the family's doing well and they were able to get this happy ending. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.